Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. We're coming at you with a little different one this week. Talking western hunting and elk hunting. Um, pretty excited for this one. I was looking at our charts on Lipson, and we're lacking out west, bro. There's some states <laughs> that didn't even listen to us once, and then um, I think Japan's listened to us 22 times. Hey. I'm like, man, you can't get nothing in Utah, but Japan's <laughs> on fire. <laughs> but uh, we're coming out for the west guys here. We're talking to Ben. Um, ben, is his energy is... It's contagious. You can hear it in this episode. Yeah. He loves hunting. He loves going out there and getting it. Uh, shout out to him for this hunt. Like he said, it was like kind of like a get your manhood hunt. And I could see that because, I mean, damn, it was what, 15 days, he said, mm-hmm. of hunting. You know, he's out there by himself in the woods, packing, struggling, trying to learn. And to be successful is pretty epic. So uh, let's get into the people who make this possible and get into the show. Start with a VIP veteran broadhead. Um, they have made, or Matt has made, a 125-grain interchangeable tip. So you can buy 125-grain heads now, or you can buy the 125-grain tips. Um, just screw them on to your hunters. Can you, you can do that, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. Make um, sure you, veteran 
125 grain. Yep. If you want to uh, step up your FOC and uh, get that 125 up front, that's that's the way to do it. Um, real easy change. Um, those tips screw in real nice with the Allen screw. He's got that hole all the way through. Real simple. Um, and uh, you can really step up your game to some or some bigger, heavier heads real quick and uh, pretty cost effective. Uh, let's get to the VIP veteran broadhead shout out. This week's VIP veteran broadhead shout out is Sergeant John Payne. He was with the U.S. Army Combat Engineer from 2006 to 2011. Um, he is now medically retired. He was part of the OIF from 2007 to 2009 in Mosul, Iraq. He conducted route clearance and went door-to-door um, doing operations for his company, which located and disarmed over 500 IEDs and car bombs in his 15-month deployment. Um, John, we appreciate your service and doing a very dangerous job at that. Um, we can't thank you enough, man. That uh, takes a lot of guts. And, um, you know, I had a I had a pretty good conversation with you about it and, uh you know how I feel about it, and um, we just want to thank you here from Whitetail Legacy and uh, the VIP family. All right, big thank you for that. Uh, way more balls than I got. That's yeah. some epic stuff going on right there. Um, somebody's got to do it, and uh sounds like you were the man for the job getting that many disarmed. So. All right, let's get into Ingram's outdoor obsession. Uh, talk to Ingram. He says he's got some bucks rolling in, so uh, he's getting busy time of the year you know we've been through uh been through the good stuff you know (laughs) i mean it's uh if if you got you haven't got your buck down there's still a chance and ingram will still take it in and uh do the best job uh, that he possibly can on it um all your taxidermy needs ingram's outdoor obsession um you got ecw calls yeah you know um goose season's getting ready to kick off hot and heavy do not forget that jeff has a great line of goose calls um, and he can make them custom fit to your needs as well as um, all the rest of his lines. So don't forget about him when you're getting ready to hop into that blind. Going into scent lock, um, you know, there's been a lot of hype and a lot of uh, publicity about the B1, the Bowhunter Elite suits coming out from scent lock. Uh, you know, they've been hitting the woods this year so far, and there's been a lot of people really loving it. And, um, you know, it's been really tailored to the bow hunter in mind. So, um, it's really good to hear a lot of positive feedback about that and, um, all the, you know, just everything being tailored towards the bow hunter. Yeah. So the product idea is actually functionality like they want. For sure. Yeah. That's good. All right. Let's get into the show. All right. We got Ben Lehman on. You're out in Ohio now, but you're kind of from everywhere, Arizona, (laughs) New Hampshire. Uh, We've been trying to get this laid down for a little bit. Excited to have you on. Like I said, I love your personality. I love your outlook on life, your energy. Dude, when you were doing the push-ups with the goat on your back, I was like, this dude is on a whole nother level of happiness. And that's where I try to be. Yeah, I try to be like, I try to live on positivity. Like, you don't need sleep. You need a little bit of sleep, a little food, but you can live on positivity, and I think that's what you do. You live on that that edge where people – it's just hard for people to get, and you're there every day. So uh, <laughs> I really like watching your videos. You're just jogging around, exercising, just happy as hell. I'm like, this guy is just living right now. So we're uh, – like I said, I'm excited to have you on, excited for the listeners to hear you. Um, 
did you just come out with this stuff recently or have you been doing it for a while or? Yeah. So, so I guess as far as that goes, you know, putting out content, et cetera. Um, I, I, I got into fitness, uh, when I was in college, um, actually through, through, uh, unfortunately, uh, a friend passing away and he was a incredible athlete in high school, my best friend for a long time. And it, it was kind of one of those life-changing moments really for me where, um, I just really made a life change and it was like, man, I gotta, I gotta step up my fitness. I gotta take care of my body. You know, you only live once, all of that good stuff. And, and so I, I got into fitness. And so anyway, I've been a fitness coach since my, my early twenties, now 27. And, um, it kind of evolved into this online thing just because me and my wife decided, uh, we were living in New Hampshire where she grew up and we were kind of looking for a house doing the whole kind of normal type of thing, you know, like, Oh, we're going to get a house. We're going to have our own land, all that stuff. And we actually ended up putting, a a bid on a house and it fell through and that was probably the best thing that happened because we we then um realized that we don't want to live in a house we want to get an rv we want to go explore the world or explore the u.s at least and uh you know have some adventures and so that's kind of where my online presence evolved just because all i've ever done is been a coach and i love coaching and i love um, you know, inspiring others and, and uh, being an influencer, I guess you could call it. And so I had to decide or figure out, you know, how am I going to be a coach when we're on the road? You know, I've always worked at a gym. <laughs> and so, and so I, I actually found a really awesome coaching program uh, that helped train me kind of like how to build an online business, et cetera. And so, so that's kind of where it started. So I was like diving into videos and I, I really just kind of found how how much fun it is to make videos. <laughs> and and so I, I'm not a professional techie guy. I don't like produce videos, all that sort of stuff. But I love making Facebook Lives. I love uh, just sharing my own training and, and advice and, and coaching knowledge. And, uh, and it's been fun to, to get feedback from people, help people out, inspire people. Uh, I, I always at least get a couple comments. They're like, man, you're a freaking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yo, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. And, it, and it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. People say full sin and you're like every video that's just, that's just you. So I can imagine <laughs> hanging out with you. would be a blast, but I, I would have a hard time keeping up. Like <laughs> caption of the live video, full sin again. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, I think that it's epic that you're you're traveling around and and living out of RV. And go ahead and break down like where you've been traveling and kind of break down your traveling and your hunting and your experience and stuff. So kind of go and break down that a little bit. Yeah. So so when we got going on this um, traveling life the last two years, uh, we we started out kind of doing a program called woofing. And so you're like woofing. What the heck's that? So it's kind of just. Uh, what, what's the thing where it's like letters that stand for something? I forget what that word is, but it, it stands for worldwide organic operating farms. And so it's a really cool thing. Uh, you haven't heard of it and look it up and you basically do like a work trade at different farms. Um, we, we actually stayed at an elk outfitter was our very first place. 
And so obviously I was like, pumped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, hey, we're going to stay at an elk outfitter. Like I'm going to see so many elk. Uh, it's going to be insane. And, and, and that was really cool experience. Um, I got to help out with the, the, you know, I guess you could call me like the junior employee for the guides. I, I ran the, the trail camera trap line as I called it. And <laughs> that was super fun. I got on a ATV and I had, uh, like 20 trail cameras, but it was on this just like enormous 35,000 acre ranch. And so it took me all day to check 22 cameras, but it was probably my favorite day every single week. It was so much fun. And then I would, you know, give all the guides, all the, all the goods and everything and show them all the, the footage. And, um, so we were there for a while and uh, it, it, like I said, it's a little cool work trade program where you can basically work part time and you don't have to pay rent. They, they house you or they at least give you RV hookups if that's where you're living in. Um, and, and they use they compensate you some way or another for food. And every place is different. So at this Elk Outfitter, they had a lot of family meals, just every, everyone cooked together, especially when we had hunters, which was which was fun to all eat together um you know get some elk tenderloin after the kill is super fun and uh yeah so we did that in new mexico and uh i was lucky enough to uh get a cow tag uh elk cow tag from from the outfitter uh as kind of part of the deal so that was like so that was a score and um really good learning experience it was my second time ever hunting elk and uh tried to prepare the best I could for it, but it was a great learning experience. And, and I think when you hunt a new species, you, you, you always are going to have that, you know, like uh, I was basically hunting elk, like, like deer only full Rambo style, like just, I'm going to just run straight at them and I'm going to get aggressive. And I hold all the hurt, you know, you hear all this stuff uh, uh, with having no experience of elk hunting and being a whitetail hunter all my life, you hear this stuff like, Oh, elk, you got to like be aggressive and you don't want to just sit in a tree stand. You got to like run out of, get close to them and all this stuff. <laughs> and so I think I took it a little too much because I think I blew all the elk out of the town. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so that was fun. That was definitely fun. Um, but uh, hunting-wise, I, I, I got a really great year started, so I don't know how it's going to finish, but I am super pumped at how this year's going. It, it couldn't be going any better. Uh, I ended up getting my first elk. It was in Colorado. Uh, I got a really nice cow, and um, man, there's a lot of, uh, lot of learning moments during that as well that, that I'm sure we'll, we'll jump into. Uh, one thing I'd like to cover, <clears throat> I've had elk one time. Um, I do not know where it was shot it's from, uh, uh, outside family member brought it in. Uh, we made cheeseburgers. It was very good. Uh, not really gamey. I was wondering if there was any difference in the elk in New Mexico compared to the one that you had shot in Colorado. Okay. So like, as far as the actual meat, like taste everything. Yeah. I just feel like in New Mexico, they don't have like a good of variety or good browse to really, you know, get rid of that gamey taste. 
even elk don't really have the gamey taste that I've had. But I just feel uh-huh. like in Colorado, there's like much more browse diversity of the environment. You're talking it, to like two guys that know nothing about the West <laughs> and nothing about elk. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I that that is a great question, and I can't say that I've noticed anything. I, I think you know I've had elk a number of times, but but yeah, I don't think I've had it enough to really really notice anything as far as the as far as the actual meat goes okay so like you know i just kind of basing that question off of like hogs you know as you get some here in you know missouri they're going to taste a lot different than um hogs in texas just because you know in texas they're eating sage but up here they can get on some corn and you know different things up here that you know kind of can tame down the gaminess oh yeah definitely i think i think that you know you're going to get that with with any species and it's just it's like the you know the saying with with us humans <laughs> you are what you eat right yeah and so the animal is going to taste like whatever the animal ate and and you could get into uh animal agriculture you could just think about it like with white tails like for example with where we hunt where i'm hunting right now on our 60 acres here in ohio it's in uh, harrison county and it's a lot of old coal mine land and so there's not a ton, especially just right where our hunting land is, it's probably a couple miles where there's no agriculture as far as like beans and corn and that stuff. And so our deer specifically on our land um, are eating acorns, they're eating uh, crown vets, they're eating, you know, just your typical briars and, and wild grasses and, and just kind of. I guess you could call them grass-fed whitetail instead of of corn-fed. And so I definitely think that our deer, in my opinion, taste taste a lot better than, you know, if you would go somewhere that's just heavy, heavy agriculture and the deer are eating tons of corn and stuff. I'm just not as much into that. Like, I really love the natural, the natural browse, uh, natural, you know, grass-fed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that that type of meat really tastes the best. I can see that. It's, yeah. it's definitely going to be a different. I've heard that the the mule deer and stuff and the southern part of New Mexico have a real different taste too. But I want to get into your elk hunting trip. Um, I kind of followed along on social um, with you out there. You were logging a lot of miles. Uh, I think it's super cool. You kind of went to an area that you weren't 100% familiar with. You're with uh, with a bow brand new ground, living out of a camper, <laughs> just putting in straight work. So I kind of wanted to kind of go into the whole trip, maybe a little bit how you prepared, um, how you picked an area, and then go into the hunt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so first of all, elk is just, you know, as far as my hunting bucket list, elk with a bow, I, I just always wanted to just – you know, not like guiding services are doing it wrong by any means, but I just, I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to do it myself. I wanted to do it on public lands. Uh, I just felt like, you know, that's the pinnacle of my accomplishment. And, uh, and so it was always number one on my bucket list. So anyway, motivation was high. (laughs) Motivation was high for this one. Um, but yeah, going, leading up to the hunt, like choosing where I was going to go, all of that stuff. Um, it was actually through a friend, uh, a guide that I met in New Mexico, uh, at that outfitter. 
and um, he had gone to this unit before. And uh, a little bit about this place, it's, it's north of Durango. There's unit 75, there's unit 751. Uh, if you want to go look those up, um, that, that's where I was at. So either one of those units are over the counter, archery, either sex tag, um, season starts end of August, and, and, and that's where I was at. Um, anyway, so leading up to this hunt, I, my, my friend had given me a number of spots and when I, sorry, let me turn this alarm off. It keeps snoozing on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, I, I think I turned it off. So hopefully it doesn't start beeping at us again, but okay. So when I got started preparing for this hunt, I, I wanted to do Colorado just because it's over the counter. I don't have any sort of points built up um, in any of the States. And so really it was just somewhere over the counter, somewhere I can go at it and, uh, and, and really just have some sort of Intel, uh, from, from other people or research so that I'm not going into some random spot. I know nothing about, I want to try to at least know something, you know, give me some odds of success higher than just going blind. And so anyway, I found this spot, uh, from my friend. He told me, you're going to have to hike deep to get to the elk. You're going to have to, you know, be in shape. It's, it's going to be super rugged. There's not a ton of elk in this unit, and it gets hunted really hard. And so I'm like, yeah, man, let's put some fitness into this. Let's get it done. <laughs> and so uh, that, that's where I chose to go. I was like, I want to hike in. I want to have this awesome experience of, you know, working hard, getting off the road where, where not many people are going to go, and I'm going to get me an elk. And so first thing, you got to visualize, right? <laughs> I'm going to get myself an elk, you got to believe. And uh, so going into the work, well, how I prepared for this leading up, I, I think you can kind of break it down, I would say, three categories. And, um, and, and you just got to keep it simple. Number one is uh, I, I had to, like I said, get as much intel as you can um, from, from other people that have been there. I uh, actually got a lot of very, very good knowledge just through Facebook. I would post in the hunting groups. Uh, just if you're hearing this, like I encourage you to, to ask questions in those hunting groups. Because uh, just, to, just to shout one out, Bowhunters of America, I'm sure you guys are in that one. There's like 180-some thousand bowhunters in that group, right? Yeah, yeah pretty ton. close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like a huge group. So... I just started posting stuff. Like I was just like, Hey, who knows about this unit in Colorado? And I got really, really good knowledge. And so that's one thing right there that I don't think um, people take advantage of as much as they should is like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Just ask all sorts of questions. And I, I think people maybe, you know, keep to themselves on that air on that subject just because, you know, it's like, oh, well, no one's going to tell me their secret spot. But I think you're going to find that a lot of people are really willing if you're, you know, just genuinely nice to them and you just ask them, ask them questions. You know, a lot of people are, are super helpful. And that's really what I found with with preparation is just asking questions. And uh, a lot of really nice people responded. And that was a huge game changer for sure. First of all, have you, have you guys found that, you know, using the Facebook groups and stuff, how have you guys used that? Yeah, we, we've, we're in a few, uh, like I said, we're mostly whitetail hunters. So 
oak hunting, something that we haven't touched, but we definitely are asked a lot of questions in our group and another uh, Twitter. We use Twitter a lot for questions. Twitter is mm-hmm. a great outlet for hunters. Uh, a lot of people overlook that, I think. And I feel like tw- people on Twitter feel safe to comment more. Um, I don't really know why. I don't either. But they just seem to feel safe. Maybe you can get hit in that thread. Maybe Yeah, maybe you can get hit in the thread. Or I don't know if it's an older, maybe it's an older Demerat graphic there, so there is a little more knowledge. But there's something about Twitter for us that we get a lot of good feedback and we do ask a lot of questions there mm-hmm. of area, and I'm sure if we ask about a certain, uh, you know, a certain area for elk hunting, there'd be someone on Twitter that has some info. <laughs> um, but we we love that, and then we also have a couple our our Facebook group. We ask questions in, and then a couple other ones that we we bounce questions around, and sometimes we ask them directly on our page and have have good mm-hmm. success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's you know. I think that's really awesome to, to, to do that just because, yeah, I, I think, you know, originally I was kind of like, Oh, well, no one's going to tell me about their secret spot, but it, you got to just ask it. And so many people have helped me out. And, and, and so that was a really great experience just on, on, on social to experience that. But um, yeah, so, so getting a lot of information was the first thing. And then secondly, knowing the terrain of the unit was super huge. So like Google earth, Onyx maps, um, just stuff like that, like getting uh, internet scouting, uh, you could call it, um, was a huge thing just because when, when you start to learn about like a new species, you know, I mean, I have a, I had a base level knowledge of elk, but as far as like how to actually find where they are, um, just from a map was definitely a learning curve. And uh, I'll do I'll do a shameless plug. Corey Jacobson has a great course, especially if you're new to elk hunting. His elk 101 course is really awesome. I did that, and uh, really good baseline knowledge for 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 elk hunters. And so, check him check him out. Check him out. It's really great. Totally worth it. Um, but yeah, so like getting on the map was was the second thing, and and looking at looking at you know where are elk gonna bed is is i think the number one thing that i learned and the and the most uh the most helpful so like you can get on a map and you can be like oh there's a big creek right here they're probably you know maybe there's some elk uh watering or hey there's like a great big field uh, i think that was a learning curve thing for me was being more of a whitetail hunter you're like oh there's a big field like there's going to be whitetails coming out at night feeding in the grass or feeding in the corn or, or it's a food plot or whatever it is. And so I think originally I would look at the map a little bit too much like deer hunting um, just because that's what I knew at the time. And I would be like, oh, there's this big field. Maybe, you know, elk are going to be out there at night. And it couldn't be true. But I think the biggest learning thing that was most helpful for me as far as finding elk on a map where you've never been there in person is find the north facing slopes, find the, the rugged side hills that are also north facing, and then specifically also is find the heavy timber. Um, just because specifically where I was in Durango, it's still pretty hot there. I mean, it gets like 100 maybe in the summer, you know, at least 90s. And so especially August and September, um, this year was really hot. And talking to the locals a little bit, it was hotter than normal. And so um, when I started out September, uh, it was 
dark timber. It was north facing and the steeper, the better, which which was kind of a learning curve because I didn't really expect elk to be like bedded on like cliffs. But that's really where they were. It was crazy to learn about that. How would you rate your, you know, map reading skills or, um, you know, aerial scouting prior to that elk trip? Well, not much. I, I mean, when I when I've hunted deer growing up in Ohio, uh, I hunted deer when I lived in New Hampshire. Um, those were my only two states, like ninety percent Ohio, and I, I got a couple deer in New Hampshire while I was living there, a couple turkeys, but. Really, you could just say that I've basically just hunted Ohio up until this point. Um, and so I, I don't use maps in Ohio because, because we have our hunting land. And if I'm going anywhere else, it's just, you know, we go scout because we live here and, and I have the access. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, learning Onyx was super huge. And also Google Earth is great because Google Earth has better uh, like 3D pictures um, so that was super great, super useful. Onyx is really good with all the boundaries, but the the topo isn't quite as good in my experience of with Onyx. So using kind of Onyx and Google Earth kind of as a unit together, going back and forth, I would just open uh, on my computer. I would have Onyx on one tab, Google Earth on the other tab, and I would get it all lined up and just go back and forth, back and forth. Um, but yeah, not a ton of map reading skills before this hunt. And so that was also, you know, learning curve on, on how to read topo lines, um, how to, you know, just navigate. So you're not just diving off this cliff and then expecting yourself to just walk up the other side. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I would say one thing with us, or at least me hunting um, public land here more is, you know, doing a lot more of that, you know, looking at hunt stand, looking at Onyx. And the the thing that really gets me is like that overgrown pasture, that CRP grass that you think is only, you know, two foot tall. And then you get out there and it's actually like six, eight foot tall. And you can't really see as good as you thought you would. And um, that's really kind of thrown me off. But as far as like, you know, being able to see where a creek goes or, you know, or whether it, where there is a cliff, um, you know, more of the obvious stuff has been a little easier to identify. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess, I guess next we could kind of jump into when I actually got there. Cause I, I definitely learned a lot in my, I, I did two, two day scouting trips. So I had four days of scouting and I think, I. I, I, a couple of things that I really learned when I actually was able to get boots on the ground um, is, is uh, first of all, you don't need to go just tearing, tearing miles after miles after miles. And you probably shouldn't when you're scouting because that, that first day I got there, I was like, <clears throat> guys, you know, my motivation was like 120%. Like, Oh man, I'm here. I'm going to just walk. You know, 20 miles today, I'm going to find all the elk side. It's going to be freaking awesome. And so I was super jazzed. But after that day, I found next to no elk side. And I was so whooped after hiking that much because I was like, oh, I need to get over here. And so on the map, I just went in a straight line. And so it was down a cliff up the, uh, up the other side. And uh, that was very 
inefficient, we'll call it. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, so something something that I, I did learn as far as the scouting goes is you, you want to have a couple spots narrowed in before you get there. And, and what I mean by that, you know, is where where is what you envision to be the absolute best spot? Like if you have to go hunt blind, where are you going to go? And, and, and go check out that spot first. And, and when you go check it out also, uh, specifically for elk, um, is, is you want to go check uh, the, the feed. So where you would envision them to be feeding. And if there's not a lot of fresh sign, then don't keep going because you're going to do no good to just like go scout a bedding area. Because it, especially with my situation, I was scouting the week before I was going to actually be hunting just because that's when I was there. I didn't have the, the privilege of, you know, scouting during the summer a month before the season. So like you could just blow into a bedding area and it's not going to matter if you run all the elk out because they're going to be back in a, in a, in a month from now, definitely. So I, I think really finding the food is, is the number one thing. Cause if you know where they, they feed, they're going to be there all night. And so you could glass them in the morning or you could see where they come from in the evening and that's going to lead you right to their bed. And, and it was actually um, pretty obvious once you find the food to, to just kind of backtrack to, you know, where would these elk be bedding if this is where they're eating? And uh, once I actually started getting eyes on elk, um, it, it was it was incredible. I, I had probably the best morning of wilderness watching. Uh, I got on this glassing knob and, and right away in the morning, I just... <laughs> Guys, I I, stum I slept in the truck the night before because uh, I, I, that that first day I did this huge hike that was just like for nothing. I didn't find anything, and so I almost drove home back to the RV and was like going to take a day off. But I was like, no, I'm going to go to go to this other spot. So I slept in the truck. Wake up in the morning. I stumble off into the woods to to go to the bathroom, and after and I'm sitting there, you know pissing and, and i look up and there's a hundred elk on this hillside like a mile away from me and so i'm like wow did i just hit the jackpot or what and so and so that's how i found my first elk so sometimes i guess you just gotta you just gotta wing it go to the bathroom and get lucky <laughs> whatever it takes man <laughs> whatever it takes man. and uh but yeah so I, I that first that first that second morning of scouting uh was so crazy i saw a hundred elk i saw a six by six bull was in there um and, and you know we'll, we'll get to the rest of the story i saw him four times throughout the season but um saw the six by six bull two other raghorns in there got super pumped on on watching all of that i saw a, a blonde sow black bear with a black cub and a brown cub which was really cool because it was like all three colors in one family group. So I, I don't know how many other people have seen that. I feel like that's pretty unique. I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. I don't. Yeah, I don't know it's... nothing about bears, but <laughs> just seeing that would be epic. No shit. I don't know shit yeah. about the West, man. I'm oh, interested wow. as hell, but right. There's like a rainbow bear family or something. All three colors. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, yeah, so I saw that. I saw two other mule deer bucks, too. So, so I mean, scouting was super fun. I was feeling 
definitely confident for the season. Um, and, and then, so when it did start, uh, I, I, I just was right there, right where I saw that whole herd. And um, the, the next learning moment was get off the road. And so chapter two, here we go, get off the road. <laughs> and, uh, and so the learning moment with this was as soon as the season started, you would be surprised or maybe not how many ATVs and pop-up campers, there were people driving like RVs down, you know, bringing their camper all the way up down this forest road that took me an hour and a half to drive to. I was like, holy cow, these people are nuts. <laughs> but um, anyway, the, the learning curve there was, you know, you got to get off the road that you thought was far enough. Because I was surprised that people were driving, you know, mobile homes and pop-up campers and, and ATVs all, all over the place uh, in a location that I drove an hour and a half to get to. So that was kind of crazy. I don't know. Do you guys have like remote places like that where, you know, you go like three hours and then you still see people? No, yeah, we, there's no way we can get that remote from any town. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that that was just that was crazy. So anyway, I think the the determining factor was was the fitness, and so that was something that going into this hunt, as I shared before, my my friend had told me how it, it's a rugged place, and you're gonna have to get. Um, you know, off the road, off the road of the road and the trail of the trail, like really out there. And man, once my hunt started, you know, we could talk for three hours on each day that happened. But um, the, the fast story of the beginning of the season was I did all this scouting, saw so many elk, felt so confident. The first two days of the season, uh, I did get close to that six by six bull, but I mean, it wasn't anything worth mentioning. I basically was still hunting and bumped into them, and, and that was that. But where it starts to get interesting, and I think uh, people can kind of learn from this experience more, was, was actually on the 15th day into September. And so I hunted 13 out of the 15 days. And, I mean, I would have stayed out there every single day, but – uh, I had to take care of the family as well, you know, living in an RV and uh, I had the only vehicle. It was, it was a little sketchy. I had to make sure I took care of the wife. She was just out there by herself uh, camping in the RV on uh, BLM <laughs> land. So I had to take some home trips and I, I'm sure people understand, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the 15th day that it's the day I get my elk and man, it was just, it was a whole month of hunting in one day. It was, I started out, I got a little tip from, from a friend on Facebook to check this spot out. And, and, and this just really shows how smart elk are and, and how smart you really need to be to outsmart them. And so what basically what happened was I did a big bow hiking, you know what I mean? Bow hiking. Yeah. <laughs> hiking a lot and not seeing much so basically right. <laughs> hiking hiking and just carrying your bow mm -hmm. but uh we do I that sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but 
you know, I, I saw all those elk at the beginning of the season, and then I had gone two weeks of bow hiking with, without even seeing any, hardly anything. Like, I saw, like, three elk during, during uh, those two weeks. So then I was just, it was the 15th of September. It was another day of hiking, just trying to find, you know, that, that fresh elk sign, that, that stinky steam and poop, all that good stuff. Man, another thing is for you guys that uh, are, you know, only have hunted whitetails, elk are like a whole nother level of stink. You know, you got that rutting buck that comes and you smell them or, you know, you shoot a buck and you, you got his tarsal glands. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so elk are, are something else. It's it's a strange mix of rutting bull and a cow and cattle and I don't know, horse poops. <laughs> it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a crazy stink. But anyway, that's that's what I was looking for. I was hiking and hiking. And I basically did this whole six-mile loop, which was just horrible there's blowdowns um from from when the forest had burned earlier there's just steep terrain rugged you know challenging challenging so i i had gone through this whole circle didn't find anything it's like three in the afternoon and i was like what am i what else am i gonna do today you know i was feeling down on my luck and uh i was heading back to the truck i'm like i want dinner I know it's three o'clock, but I'm done for the day. It was basically basically where I was at mentally and everything. Like I said, it had been two weeks since I'd seen an elk. So it was just... It at was that your point, you're like, do these things even exist? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, the, and, and the thing that I just kept clinging to, and, and I know some people are going to say it sounds silly, but this, this was really just kept me going was it can all change in one second. And I know you guys know, you know, you're sitting in the tree stand, you haven't seen a deer for the entire morning or entire evening during your tree stand sit. And then that last 10 minutes, one comes and, and it goes from having a horrible day to maybe your best day. You, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Been there a bunch of times <laughs> where you don't see anything and then boom, here's a giant coming in. So Right. It only takes one. So I was like, it only takes one out going to be one second and and just like i visualized it coming into existence or something it happened <laughs> i was walking back to the truck i just happened to look over to the left and then there they are two uh half a mile down the ridge there was like eight cows and a bull uh, i sit down i start glassing them and uh originally i was like okay i'm gonna be smart i'm gonna play the slow game i'm just gonna glass them tonight and then the other side of me is like screaming, there's elk, we haven't seen elk in two weeks, like we gotta go after them right now. And uh, you can probably guess which side won. And uh, so I was going after him. <laughs> and um, so I basically bombed down this side hill. And then once I was on the same elevation as him, I, I started moving closer to him. And it was just, I called baby aspens. It was like these tiny growth aspens. It was all the blowdowns and stuff. And I was just trying to get as close as I could to him before dark. So I had probably like three hours of light. And I started moving close to him. And uh, eventually I, I get pretty close to where they're at. They're probably like within 500 yards or th within 300 yards of, of where I had seen them. 
And so I'm, I'm getting close and all of a sudden, they just, my mind just exploded. I look up as I come out of the Aspens and there he is in all his glory, the six by six, same one I had seen uh, all season, like four or five times. And he was just a hundred yards away. So the bull had moved closer to me while I was moving to them. So I was like, sweet, dude, wow, sweet yeah. deal. <laughs> and um, so, so there we are, 100 yards away. He doesn't know I'm there. And so I just go, you know, Corey Jacobson, straight up out of Elkhorn alone, a little bit of challenge bugle. <laughs> and so I get, I grab my bugle too, get all fired up. I'm like, I'm going to challenge him. So I'm running this. So I let him run out. You know, big old challenge eagle. And basically what you're trying to say is, I'm over here and I'm going to come take your cows. Like, you better come fight me. And uh, and so he bugles back. It was just, man, it was so, so cool. The experience of, like, calling my first bull like that with him getting fired up. Um, and, and so basically what happened was I heard him crashing through the brush but I couldn't hear if he was coming closer, if he was, you know, leaving. Um, I couldn't figure it out with, with, with hearing and everything. And eventually, after bugling back and forth a couple times, uh, it sounded like to me that he was taking his cows up the hill to get away from me. So I'm like, oh, man, we can't let him get away. So, so I'm like, you go. So I go hoofing it up this hill. Just like full on Rambo, just we gotta get there, we gotta cut him off. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, hashtag fitness. I was just killing it, you know, my heart up in my throat, but didn't even kill it because we're in elf season. Come on. And so I get to the top of the hill and everything's quiet. 10, 15 minutes go by. I'm just sneaking, looking to where they went and basically think that they're gone. I was like, he probably just took his cows and they left and uh, he's like, got away from me, uh, the challenger. And what ended up happening is I'm like, okay, well, today was, today was cool. That was really fun. And again, I started heading back to the trail. So I'm back at the top of the mountain where I originally started, which was probably like a thousand feet of elevation or something that I had gone down and then now I had gone back up. And then I looked over again and sure enough, they're still down there, the same spot where I was, and now they're like 200 yards away. And the thing that just was crazy was they were all huddled up, like eight cows in the bowl, and they were looking right back to where I was calling. So I was like, crap, they were pro he was probably coming in, or they were probably just standing there waiting for me to show myself. And so they didn't go all the way up the hill. And so the, looking back on that, I think a learning moment was I didn't quite do the calling setup that I should. What I should have done was start with cow calls because what that would have done was establish that there's some cows over here and he might think that they're actually a couple of his cows. Then if I would have challenged Bugled after he had established that there was cows over here, he would have either thought, you know, oh, someone's like my cows wandered off and someone's taking my cows or just, hey, there's cows over there. Like, like, I want to go get some more. The more the merrier. And uh, so that was kind of a learning moment that 
you know, maybe on, maybe on my next hunt, uh, that can work out a little differently. But, um, so what I ended up doing, which was, oh my gosh, the most epic, epic hunt I've ever, ever had was I'm 200 yards above them now. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make something happen. <clears throat> Cause originally I was like, well, maybe they'll work their way up the hill. Uh, I was standing in a burn where, uh, I had figured was their feed. And so I was like, they're probably going to come up and feed, but they were just plastered on watching where my calls were coming from. And I'm out in the open and all these blowdowns, but it was like 45 minutes till dark. And so I got, I just, it just came down to like, I got to make it happen. And so I'm sure it was really funny to watch if you been like a fly on the wall, but I was in the middle of nowhere in the open. I had no cover except like an occasional blowdown and some logs. And so what I would do is I'd be squatted down and I got my binos on them and I'm like, okay, okay, no one's looking. And then I would just like jump over the log. Please don't see me. Please don't see me. Please don't see me. Jump to the next blow down and then, and then squat back down. <laughs> and and then I did that all the way down the hill until I got to about 100 yards where there was actually a lot of cover. And I ended up uh, doing some sort of slow motion CrossFit yoga calisthenic stalking. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> but I, I was like, it, it was like doing yoga or, you know, tiptoeing like the Pink Panther in slow motion with a weight vest on. It was, it was some, something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh my gosh. But I end, I end up getting all the way down there and, and it was right before dark. I think it was literally like five minutes before legal shooting light. Uh, was over and 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 I was right there I got down to the herd and I had the bull at 77 yards which I had practiced all summer at 70 I was good at 70 that was my distance and I'm like man I can't risk a 77 yard shot like something I I'm not ready for and you know some guys might have tried to stretch it like do an old Hill Mary but I, I think you know as hunters also like you got to stick with your limits. You got to know what you're ready for. And, you know, I, I just feel like that, you know, the animal deserves to, to, to have you make a prepared shot too. So, so I didn't take that shot on the bull. Um, of course I wanted to, but was not going to waste an opportunity. And I had a whole line of, of cows lined up at 60 yards watching me. And so, so I end up shooting a cow perfect shot it was it was actually one lung and she was quartering away a little bit and so it was one lung going in and on the way out it got the top of the heart and came out kind of the brisket area and so she 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 piled up and um we we packed her out the next morning uh which which was which was awesome my my, my wife hiked up with me and we had a blast uh, doing that together. She was straight up beast mode. She carried, uh, the front two quarters and I carried one of the hind quarters and all the, all the extra meat, like the back straps, neck and, and brisket and all that stuff. But, um, man, it was, it was a crazy experience and, and physically, um, one of the more challenging things I've ever done, like 
like I've done a lot of trail racing. I've done, you know, 50 milers and, and, and ultra marathons and, and, and Spartan races and all that jazzy stuff playing in the dirt. People pay to do that, I guess. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, man, it was just the mental grind of that hunt and coming out victorious and, and just the physical, uh, everyday hiking and, and, and keeping yourself mentally ready. Just, just keep telling myself it can all change in one moment. It only takes one elk. Like I was, you know, just give me one elk. I just need one elk. And so 15 days later, uh, I was lucky enough to get it done. And, um, yeah, the, the preparation definitely paid off. I, I think, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people, would have, you know, not had the fitness or, or not, you know, had that mentality and uh, taken a couple more off days. Uh, I'm sure there's people that are in way better shape than me. I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but it was really just that preparation that, that really definitely made a huge difference to, to get me to my first elk. Yeah, for sure, man. I To be straight up honest with you, there's no way I could have done that physically no. able like me and homie have talked about elk and that's something that you, that's not even on our Richter scale right now. <laughs> that's something that we feel like we need to prepare for and, and go with someone that knows what they're doing. Even if we went to film just so we could learn something and experience it. Cause it's such a, such a, it's like hunting aliens to me. I don't know anything about them. You know what I mean? It's just something new and strange, but I just think the train is so next level that. Oh, like... I seen as your video packing out, man. It was like, blow down blow down blow down i was like i don't even know like you got all that weight on your back and you're climbing over trees through limbs and stuff i'm right. like that is epic you know what i mean so yeah well i'll tell you what it was it was only like a half it was only a mile and a half pack out but oh my goodness it took us it took us i think four hours to go a mile and a half and it was it was, I'll call it the cherry on top with the, the mental training and the physical training and, and just putting those two together. And uh, I think I think one of the things too with the whole, just the entire hunt experience in general that, that was really just, I don't know, you could call it like becoming a man, something like that. Uh, it was, it was, it was, um, Lost my train of thought. <laughs> I know what it you're was, saying, man. It was it's something epic. It's you know you dreamed elk with a bow. You did it all by yourself. You're out there just pounding the mountains. You're by yourself on a long period of time. Yeah, long period of time going back and never giving up. Like you said, you just had the faith for one elk. And I was you know a lot of people would look at it. Well, he didn't get the bull, but I mean seven yards. <laughs> you know, I mean you know how right. you know how many people we've know of went out there and never even seen an elk. Oh, tons. You yeah. know, and, and you were you were on the elk and you were successful. Uh, that blows me away for a guy just to go out there by himself with a bow and a backpack, you know, and just <laughs> going for it. You know, what I mean that's just that's epic stuff. And for where well, you were at that? with the blowdowns and stuff. I, I, yeah. I couldn't have done it. No, it was definitely so much fun. And, and, and what I was trying to say, I remember here, was the thing out there that was such a learning experience is when you're out there in, in the terrain, you know, doing the hunt, uh, 
day after day with the the mentality, the mental game, it's it's because you have to. And I think that's a different experience for a lot of people. And what I mean by that was like, after I shot my elk, like I said, it was right at dark. I couldn't, I, I wasn't uh, prepared to, to track her and quarter it by myself that night. So I had to hike two hours uh, back to my truck in the dark, up that mountain in the blowdowns. And it was because I had to, you know, yeah. because I couldn't just, I couldn't just crawl up. In, I couldn't just crawl up in a ball, die of hypothermia that night sitting there on the mountain right so i think there was a lot of time a lot of moments probably numerous ones a day where it was like you know maybe i don't want to be hiking this huge hill right now but you got but i'm doing it because i have to yeah and uh and that's just that was another unique experience um that that is just really uh, a great learning experience just about yourself like you have so much more inside of you than, than people really let come out. Um, if you know what I mean, like, like people are so comfortable, uh, living in their house and doing their job. And even just talking about hunting, um, like by all means, you don't have to be uncomfortable, but it's, it's a different experience when you're out there in the rugged mountains and, and you're doing it because you have to, because the truck is, is, you know, hours away and you can't just flip a switch, drive your four wheeler back from the tree stand and get back in your truck, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When you were, when that, like when you got the elk down, I mean, now you got an elk down. It's like, you got to go back in there and get it. Yeah. You got a quarter, you got to get it out of there. So yeah, exactly. And so that was like, you know, next level bonding experience with just your own mindset uh, believing in yourself and, and, uh, really, really was awesome to have that experience with my wife. Um, she doesn't hunt herself, but she's always super supportive of my hunting and, and shout out to her. She was, she got the best wife award for, for going beast mode and packing out that elf. That was awesome. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> hey, she, she deserves yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know what two front quarters weigh, but can't be light. And you're going <laughs> right. up a hill through blowdowns. That's some epic stuff. So, oh uh, yeah, I, I think hers was around uh, 55 or 60 pounds, and and mine was pushing 90, and it felt like 190. <laughs> oh, I bet, yeah. yeah. Going yeah. up, trying to drag that uphill. Me and homie have like one little. I would, I would. <laughs> it's not little for us, but it's. It's deep and steep, and when we get to the top of it, I'm like, I can't go elk hunting. No way. I was saying, I'm mean, just <laughs> gassed. Every, every time we go through that, I'm like, we're not going elk hunting. No, like, no. Just stop thinking about it. Yeah. We're not going. Yeah, there's no way we can make it. But Well, one uh, thing I do really enjoy is you kind of hosting this live. You know, you're kind of updating on the hunt, and then after you were successful, you kind of updated on the pack out. So I want people to I want you to tell people where they can find you so they can see this live stuff that you're doing, whether it's fitness wise or it's hunting wise. I love that you're hosting it live like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm basically just solely on Facebook is where I put all my content. Um, like I said earlier, I haven't gotten into just being super techie and doing videos and stuff. And so don't have YouTube or anything, but you can just find me by looking up Ben Lehman. And uh, I'm sure you guys will have the correct spelling on this episode and just look up Ben Lehman and look for the guy that has his bow and, 
and deer and hunting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, homie, that's all, that's correct all spelling. You said. Yeah, <laughs> that's on homie. He's a spell guy. I can't spell. Well, <laughs> all right, good deal. No, I, sp- I know a lot of people do layman like L A Y. And uh, I, I think it's I think it's the German version is what my family is L E H M A N. Yeah, homie, would nail it for you. But yeah, <laughs> make sure for our listeners, make sure and check this guy out. If uh, if you need motivation one day, just go to his page. And this guy, like I said, he'll be doing push-ups with goats on his back and just blow your mind. <laughs> he just, makes us look bad as the hype men. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> just epic, just hyped all the time, loving life. Um, like I said, I love your personality. I love your passion for hunting, wanting to do it by yourself. Um, that took balls, man. That took a lot of balls to go out there in the mountains by yourself. And I mean, bears running around, not knowing a ton about elk. You're out there with your bow. And to be successful, get that close on a giant bull even, see it a few times. I mean, that is just epic, epic in itself. And this is just like your first major hunt, you know what I mean? Yeah, so for sure. as much for as sure. you learn, you know, your next hunt's just going to be that much better and right. your next hunt's going to be that much better. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And you can, you can bet that I'm hooked now and I already got plans for next year and, and, and yeah, stay tuned. We, we got, uh, Ohio hunting right now. I just had probably the best bow hunting day I've ever had yesterday. I was lucky enough to get uh, a great, awesome, you know, two or three year old doe in the morning. And then I got this really awesome, funky looking six point uh, at night. Probably, yeah, that was a probably, big six point, probably man. Probably the biggest six point I've, I've ever got. I, I've, I've actually had a strange thing for six points. My freshman year in high school, I got a six point that was even bigger than the one uh, I got yesterday. And uh, I actually had that thing mounted. It was, it was, it was wall worthy for, for me. Nice, <laughs> was, yeah. I thought that six pointer was a, a really solid buck for a six pointer. I was like, dang, yeah. that thing is epic. But I mean, a doe and a buck in the same day, that's, that's pretty solid too. But you're definitely getting it done. Like I said, um, make sure and follow his content. I follow you on, um, you have a workout page also, correct? I, I do. Um, so, so actually I don't use that anymore. So just go off my personal page. That's where I have all my, uh, fitness and, uh, motivation, all my hunting content. And, um, uh, yeah, I used to have a Ben Lehman racing page. I used to do Spartan racing a lot, but, uh, that's, that's not really relevant anymore. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story. I know, there's a lot of listeners that are interested in elk hunting, and I think this gave them the the motivation and the fear that they needed to to get in shape and to know what they need to do to go out there and chase these critters around. Absolutely. You know, if you want something, you can absolutely do it, and, and you just got to get the tools and the preparation, and man, you can do it. Anyone can do it. It, it was so awesome to get out there, and, and uh, yeah, thanks for – have me on, share my story, and yeah, looking forward to next time. <laughs> Man, 15 days in the wilderness. I mean, I think it's so cool that he's traveling in the camper. He's like working for food and a place to stay, learning about elk, pretty much living like the single man's <laughs> dream, dream. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just having fun. Um, if you got, like I said, if you guys follow his social, he's super motivational, super high energy. Super positive. 
Um, he's a good guy to follow on social. There's a lot of people out there that can bring you down, a lot of posts that can bring you down, and that's not him. Um, he's always going to bring you up. Huge shout-out to him for getting it done. I mean, almost on a giant bull. Mm-hmm. But being the hunter and being his first time, he took the opportunity on uh, you know, a nice elk and uh, got the experience packing out with his wife. So, I mean, that's super, that's a super cool experience you know definitely grew their bonding i guarantee you that oh, yeah. so if they're not close yeah. enough just living in a camper i can imagine. <laughs> but, but big shout out to her for getting out there and helping him out and enjoying you know his passion and getting some meat to cook up on the camper up there i mean they're gonna have to have a pretty big freezer in that camper i say, <laughs> yeah, I, was so, say. But, what, I mean what do you say about 140 pounds of yeah Jeez. so well we hope you guys enjoyed this one we wanted to give ben a, a time to shine i think he's a guy that that people should follow and we wanted to give one for the western hunters because that's something that we don't have yeah like we say we always try to to hit all our listeners whether it be states or not but you know we're whitetail guys but this was a fun interesting uh podcast i learned a lot and we hope you guys did too um get out there uh try to learn something new leave a legacy and white to legacies out